Hello everyone, my name is Rhys Karlinski, and this is Young History, episode 150 on Mozambique, or in Portuguese, Mozambique. Now the capital of this country is Maputo. The country is named Mozambique for Mozambique Island. The island got its name from Musa bin Malik. Now say that fast enough, Musa bin Malik sounds a lot like Mozambique. This man was a prominent Arab explorer in the 1500s who went around the Swahili coast to kind of different areas to map them out. He is seen as one of the very important figures in this nation's history, which we will get into why very soon, and the nation was named for him right after. Some quick facts for you guys about the country is that Swahili, Portuguese, and English are commonly spoken across the nation, but official language of the country is Portuguese. Mozambique is home to a diverse range of ethnic groups and cultures, including the Makuna, Tsonga, Shona, and others. This diversity is reflected in the country's many different traditions, languages, and customs that have survived for hundreds of years. Mozambique is home to the Gorongosa National Park, which is a wildlife reserve known for its diverse ecosystem. It has been the focus of conservation efforts, and its restoration has been considered a successful story in the movement for African conservation. The coastline, along the Indian Ocean, with its pristine beaches and coral reef, make Mozambique a huge destination for coastal tourism. Islands like those in the Bazaruto Archipelago attract tourists for their natural beauty and the many marine activities that come with them. And that's really all I have to say to open this up. I don't want to yip-yap any more than I usually do, as I always like to say, yip-yap or dilly-dally. But we've got a nice amount of history to get through, so let's push through this, let's learn a lot, and let's enjoy learning about Mozambique. So, with that being said... Thank you guys so much for being here, and my name is Reese Karlinski, this is Young History, and this, this is Mozambique. Hope you guys enjoy. Our origins begin with the dates given to us by a lot of archaeological work, which dates the first humans all the way back to 130,000 years ago. But as you can imagine, we know little to nothing about these people. But the first people groups that migrated here started to move in around 500 BC, and they were the San Bushmen people. The San Bushmen inhabited the southern African region and used a nomadic lifestyle to survive. The San people were the ancestors of the Kosani people that still inhabit the land today. They were farmers and herders that eventually formed into at least a dozen different tribes. The Bantu people arrived between 100 and 500 CE as part of the Greater Bantu Migration from West Africa, which we guess was Cameroon specifically. The Bantu were mostly ironsmiths and farmers that lived on the Zambezi River near the coast. As the Swahili coast developed, trade with Arabia and India became more common. The goods of Mozambique were prized across the coast, and around 600 CE, the port town of Shubene was established. It helped move early inhabitants into a trade economy by pushing trade out through the coast. The region was conquered by Great Zimbabwe for a time, but this ended as other cultures expanded across the coast. And we covered Great Zimbabwe very heavily in the episode on Zimbabwe itself because this was one of the most advanced early civilizations in the region. Swahili culture really started to take root between 600 and 1000 CE. Swahili-speaking port cities were established on the eastern coast by Arab traders. The presence of coastal communities facilitated the spirit of not only Swahili, but the influence of Indian Ocean trade. A line of local sultans ruled the port cities with teachings from Islam and Arab culture. One of them was Sheikh Musa bin Bake, who was mentioned in the opening. Sheikh Musa bin Bake was a devout Muslim and is credited with helping the spread of Islam in the region. 
He believed that Muhammad was the greatest prophet and teacher the world had ever known. So he wanted the people here to be led into his faith and, in his eyes, be led into the higher state of living. Now, I said Musa bin Bige here, but that is only one of his many different names that have been translated into a bunch of different languages. So take that with a grain of salt because you may hear him called different names based on where you get your Mozambique information from. The next major civilization we saw was the Mutapa Kingdom, which rose to dominate the region between 1300 and 1400. The Mutapa Kingdom covered a vast area, including parts of present-day Mozambique, eastern Zimbabwe, and southern Zambia. It was strategically positioned along important trade routes linking the interior of Africa with the coastal regions. They were ivory and gold traders above all else. The system that they ran the nation on was based entirely on monarchical rule through one hereditary king. Mutapa dominated trade politics and influence for many decades, but things changed in the kingdom when the Portuguese arrived. Vasco da Gama led a Portuguese expedition to the Swahili coast in 1498. He landed on the island of Mozambique, and he returned to Portugal with news of the landing. He expressed that the land seemed to be filled with many resources that could be exploited, and he felt it would be a very good business venture for the Portuguese to invest in this land. Within just a few years of the first interaction, Portuguese forts were built to protect Portuguese trade interests throughout the region around 1505. More Europeans would settle in the area, and European lands were expanded. The Portuguese went on to battle the Arabs for control of trade across the Indian Ocean, which would be based out of their coastal cities in Mozambique. The Portuguese gained control of the island of Mozambique and the port city of Sofala by 1510. In the 1530s, Portuguese traders moved through the Zambezi River in hopes to find gold. Trading posts were garrisoned at the Sina and Tete in central Mozambique. And in 1698, the Arab forces of Masri and Omani recaptured Fort Jesus Island on the Mombasa Island. Arabs gained power to trade here once again, and this forced the Portuguese to move further south. The conflict between the two was driven by the desire to create a profitable practice with the East African trade as a stepping stone. This is why both powers started to enslave Mozambicans. Arabs traded Mozambicans into the Indian slave trade, and the Portuguese sent them across the Atlantic to Brazil. The, Mutaka, the Mutapa kingdom profited heavily off the slave trade to both Arabs and the Portuguese. Time rolled on and things started to shift. In 1824, the Angoni people formed a breakaway state to challenge the Portuguese, which they called the Gaza Empire. The Ngoni people pushed out Portuguese influence in their southern region of Mozambique and began to expand their rule across the region through a Zulu Kingdom-style system. The Zulu Kingdom was most prominent in South Africa and was at its peak under Shaka Zulu around the same time. The Gaza Empire started to collect tribute from local areas and from Portuguese settlements. This caused local kings to rise up against the Gaza Empire. The empire was destroyed, and Portugal established control over Mozambique throughout the 1800s. Eventually, the British put a lot of pressure on the region to end the slave trade. This led Portugal to shift from exporting enslaved Mozambicans to actually enslaving them at home. Mozambique was a great environment to grow cashews, sugar, and sisal. And sisal is the plant that produces rope fibers to make rope. Mozambicans were forced to work in fields to farm these plants for Portuguese owners to make profit. This system went on for a long time and is a part of the greater thing that happens with the end of the slave trade and movement into colonial colonization because there's no longer this need to send people across the Atlantic to have them toil away as slaves elsewhere because many places were getting independence, but there was still the desire to keep working costs low, profits high, all sorts of things that are very abusive, and it was done by taking hold of different African lands and enslaving the people there so they could work away on now European-controlled areas to make a profit for Europeans. 
Outside of this, other European powers started to influence Mozambique when funding was brought into the country for the sake of developing trade. British companies helped fund the construction of a railroad that would connect Mozambique to inland South African colonies such as Rhodesia. Mozambican citizens were also imported to work in South Africa and other British colonies as an involuntary labor force. The Zambezi Company was a charter company that expanded its land holdings in Mozambique. The company went on to establish military outposts in its region of Mozambique. This was done so that it would have a militia force to protect its own financial interests. And on top of all this, Portuguese rule actually prevented Africans from gaining high-income jobs so that the nation would have its cheap labor force while also having white settlers able to easily access wealth. Anybody who spoke out against Portuguese rule faced either death, exile, or a lot of jail time. This went on for many decades, but things started to shift with World War II. In 1951, all Portuguese colonies were rebranded as overseas provinces. Internally, the people of Mozambique started to move towards the idea of independence because it was being widely embraced across not only Africa, but the entire world that had been colonized to this point. The inequality between the way the colonial government treated Portuguese residents and Mozambican people was becoming very clear. Opportunity, liberty, and safety were expanded and protected for the Portuguese residents, but were made a rare privilege for the Mozambique people. In 1960, a protest occurred in the northern town of Moeda. The Portuguese government violently suppressed this protest by shooting live ammunition into the crowd of protesters. And on top of this, they arrested the leaders of it on very serious charges that would ruin their lives. The consistent imbalance of power and representation between the Portuguese settlers and the Mozambique natives caused a deep resentment within the people who would always want to call this land their home. Resistant tribes attempted to convince other people groups that pushing out the Portuguese would be the best move. Many smaller tribes would resist this idea, so divisions among Mozambican tribes was very present. Frustrations among the Mozambican people manifested with the creation of the Front for Liberation of Mozambique, or Frilemo. Frilemo was inspired by Marxist communist ideas of shared wealth, glory, and success for the whole nation. Frilemo started to launch offensives against the Portuguese forces and the retaliation from the Portuguese began. With this, the Mozambican Civil War of Independence was started. The war was fought from 1964 to 1974. Guerrilla forces from Frilemo and other resistance groups took control of the north and western parts of Mozambique. They were able to control the rural and more traditional living areas of the country because the urban areas were very well defended. The resistance against the Portuguese also prompted Fidel Castro of Cuba to support Mozambique with Cuban forces and funding. The Portuguese force was able to hold tightly onto the well-developed cities in the coast and then started to send hundreds of thousands of soldiers into different parts of the nation. Local populations were accused of harboring rebel soldiers, which caused a massacre that killed at least 300 innocent Mozambicans. Samora Michel was a nurse and then member of the Free Lima organization. He was a major player in the war for independence, and Michel rose to lead Free Lima in 1970 after its former leader passed away. Now, internationally, there were things that happened in Portugal that actually affected Mozambique. The Carnation Revolution occurred in Lisbon, Portugal in 1974, and the resistance ousted the monarchy. The change of the guard in Portugal brought new minds to the issue of imperialism. The protest was started by people who were already heavily opposed to the idea of imperialism, but after the massacre that occurred in Mozambican areas, there was nothing but resistance to the idea. The Lusaka Accords of 1974 brought the war with Mozambique to its official end. Within a year of this, a vast majority of Portuguese residents in Mozambique left the country by their own accord. And then we moved towards independence. After a lot of back and forth, independence was officially achieved in Mozambique on June 25, 1975. The nation was established as a one-party state upon its birth. The day after independence, the government of now-independent Mozambique gave Portuguese residents 24 hours to pack their bags and leave the nation. 
Portuguese settlers were given a maximum of 20 kilograms of luggage to leave with on top of this very short period to turn around. After this, a huge influx of poor Portuguese nationals returned to their home nation. Michel continued to gain support across the nation and ended up the most powerful man in the country when the military took power. He was the first president of independent Mozambique. Michel expanded socialist ideals by nationalizing many industries as quickly as he could. The nation faced a lot of struggles because any industrialization efforts were only supported by the USSR because of the fact that Mozambique was aligned with socialism. This meant that Western nations like Europe and the United States were not financially investing or supporting Mozambique's growth the way that many other African nations were being helped. The Free Lamo government expanded education, access to healthcare, and created the basis for the welfare system despite the struggles that occurred. However, the government did become very restrictive of its people. Anybody who stood out against the government was exiled or killed, in the same way that the Portuguese had ran the nation before. Mozambique was harboring many different Zimbabwe rebel troops. So in 1977, Zimbabwe forces crossed the border into Mozambique and attacked the camps. The reason for this was that there was a Zimbabwe civil war going on at the time. If you want to learn more about that, check out our episode on Zimbabwe. So after this, Mozambique was also attacked by Zimbabwe in non-rebel areas, and tensions with Zimbabwe coalesced with the resentment against Michel's dictatorship and the creation of a resistance movement. An anti-communist group called Renamo formed as a resistance against the leadership of Samora Michel. The group operated mainly out of Zimbabwe, whose government funded the operation as a way to oppose the liberation front of Mozambique. However, once Zimbabwe saw the end of its own civil war, support for Renamo disappeared. Renamo attacked trade shipments, public works, and other sectors of the government. Renamo was backed by Rhodesia and its intelligence forces. All the tensions and small attacks between the two powers brewed into an actual civil war. The Mozambican Civil War was fought from 1977 to 1992. Freelemo was supported by North Korea, the USSR, East Germany, Zimbabwe, Tanzania, and the United Kingdom and the United States. Renamo only had support from South African forces from apartheid South Africa. The government of apartheid South Africa led attacks and bombings on major roads, health clinics, and sometimes schools. These actions helped Renamo achieve its goal of starving Mozambique, which put pressure on the Freelemo forces. A second cause of this was that it weakened the economy to the point of needing a systemic change. Therefore, the communist time in Mozambique was ended. This caused the Eastern Bloc to stop supporting the Freelemo movement. In 1984, an agreement was finally made, which saw a new constitution drafted. Part of the agreement stated that Mozambique would expel the African National Congress so that the South African government could support the Renamo government. However, fighting resumed in 1986 because both sides had violated the agreement. Samora Michel died in an airplane crash that occurred over South Africa on October 20th, 1986. He left an interesting legacy. Michel is known in Zimbabwe and Mozambique for the influence that he had towards the fight for independence and eventual achievement of this goal. His legacy is tainted by the fact that he became quite repressive of his peers in the latter half of his time in power. Nonetheless, the impact that he had on Mozambique cannot be denied, and even to this day, he is seen as a national hero by many. Joaquim Chisinau was named the replacement for President Michel once he passed away. Some of his reforms helped reduce poverty nationwide. Other policies helped the funding of education across the nation. In 1990, peace talks between both sides of the Civil War occurred. The Constitution stated that Mozambique would be ran through a multi-party system that guaranteed all rights for every single citizen. The Constitution was approved by the Accords of Rome, which was mediated by the United Nations. The effects for the Accords and the Constitution themselves would take place on October 15, 1992. By the end of the war, one million people lost their lives to it, and the nation was filled with physical scars. In 1995, Mozambique joined the Commonwealth of Nations. 
despite never being a British colony. Also in 1995, almost 2 million people who had taken refuge in other countries returned to Mozambique. In the years that followed, the number ballooned up to 4 million people. The 1995 election was won by Freelemo, which did not sit well with the Renamo supporters. Protests occurred nationwide, and the sharp divide between the parties was created. So Renamo began training its troops for battle once again. In 1999, there was another presidential election that saw Freelemo won again. This came with further suppression of Renamo supporters' rights to protest. Renamo continued to train and arm its supporters, and the result of this would rear its ugly head in 2012. The Renamo insurgency began when forces attacked police stations in the country, which was the onset of further armed resistance. Efforts of this occurred for almost 10 years straight. There were brief ceasefires called so that the national elections could occur, but whenever Renamo forces did not agree with the results of the election, fighting would continue. Negotiations occurred in 2019 when both sides had faced more than enough bloodshed. A peace agreement was came to, and it seemed that things would start to settle down. In the northern part of Mozambique, an extremist Islamic terrorist group formed because it accused Mozambique of straying too far from true Islamic teachings. Many terrorist attacks occurred in the north, and the group was funded by its illegal trade of ivory and drugs. The political landscape in Mozambique continued to be dominated by Freelema. The political environment has seen both stability and challenges related to issues like corruption, governance, and human rights. Mozambique experienced economic growth, particularly in sectors such as agriculture, natural resources, and energy exporting. The discovery of significant national gas reserves off the coast raised expectations for more economic development. But since these discoveries have been made, the Mozambique government has embezzled many of these funds or have not allocated them well. Another major event was the Battle of Palma. This battle occurred in 2021 when Mozambique and allied forces challenged the Islamic terrorist group that was alleged to be affiliated with the Islamic State. The battle started because the extremist group invaded the city of Palma in hopes to take over the province to shift things in their favor. The city was fully captured after many innocent civilians were murdered. Days of brutal fighting occurred, and most of the terrorists were killed or apprehended, and the city was taken. However, the city faced widespread destruction and a lot of death for just a few days of battle. After the Battle of Palma, more instability hit Mozambique. The struggle against widespread resistance in rural areas of the country had been hard for the government to make lasting political moves. Because of this, Mozambique has been left to face its current challenges all on its own. And all of that brings us to the present tense. Mozambique is ranked as low on the Human Development Index, mainly due to widespread poverty and political instability due to the rising violence. Political tensions grip the country, and that has caused threats of violence to creep into all corners of the nation for different reasons. Investment in the coast of the country has helped build the tourism industry, but economic struggle still grips most of the nation. Nonetheless, Mozambique holds a beautiful culture within its borders that by all means should be able to flourish in this gorgeous coastal land, but politics and greed have gotten in the way of that. And that brings us to the end of our Mozambique episode, where I always like to do a takeaway or mindset from the history that you can kind of pull to apply to your life. And with Mozambique, I'm going to say keep on marching on is a great lesson. These people have been colonized different times throughout history, been fought over, been abused, enslaved, all of the horrible things that we see. But the culture here has always stayed strong, and so have the people. There has been a consistent growth for, there's been a consistent move towards freedom and betterment. Sometimes that has manifested in really nasty ways like civil wars and different things like that, but it has always been with the mindset of making Mozambique better, which is a perfect example of marching forward. No matter what the situation's been, these people have pushed forward, they've tried their best to get through whatever's been going on, and they don't stop. That's why there's still resistance movements, no matter what they represent in the country and people still love their country they still stay here and it doesn't seem like there's ever going to be a 
end be an end to the effort these people put in here so i say you can apply that same thing with yourself because if these people can continue to fight through literal wars abuse slavery colonization all the things that have made mozambique suffer in the way it has then you could absolutely continue to march forward into the good times of your life that are coming after these bad ones no matter what your situation is if you're still breathing and drawing breath and you're healthy the end goal is going to be there the brighter days the brighter light the brighter everything is going to be there so just like mozambique i think you should keep on marching on and that's going to be all for me i very much enjoyed this episode i enjoyed what we got out of it i enjoyed the way it flowed and mozambique's very cool it's very cool that we get to do these Lucifer countries. I like the mix-up that we get from going from French-controlled, <laughs> we all know how I feel about French-controlled countries, British, all sorts of things like that to get to an African nation that had a very different history and had different developments, especially because of its location next to the Swahili coast and a much more Arab Indian Ocean influenced history compared to one that was just the Atlantic and just European. So nonetheless, that gets us to the very end. And I just want to say thank you guys so much for listening. And one more time, my name is Reese Karlinski. This is Young History, and that was Mozambique. Have a good one, guys.